everybody, it's He Yang. Roundtable is thrilled to launch the UniTalk Challenge: Rising Stars of Roundtable. If you like the show and enjoy our discussions, why not take the stage yourself? Calling all university students, both undergraduates and postgrads, to engage in an English discussion on a topic that ignites your passion. Record your discussion, which consists more than one person, and send it to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. You could be the next rising star of Roundtable. An incredible opportunity awaits, so seize the moment. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, welcome to Roundtable, where we serve up piping hot debates on the issues that sizzle in China and beyond. I'm Niu Honglin, sitting in for He Yang. The world's eyes are once again on Shanghai as the 2023 China International Import Expo kicks off in a spectacular fashion. So for today's Roundtable, we have prepared a special program, Global Lens: Insights from the CIIE 2023 Opening Day. Join us as we dissect the remarkable highlights of this year's expo. What sets it apart from its predecessors, and how does it symbolize China's commitment to high-level openness and international collaboration? Joining me today, I have Dou Hongyu, CGTN reporter for CIIE, and Joseph Gregory Mahoney, professor of politics and international relations with East China Normal University in Shanghai. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Shanghai. <laughs> Great to have both of you here. And if you'd like to catch us, you can find us on all of the CGTN platforms, including our official website, international social media platforms, as well as domestic social media platforms, including Sina Weibo and also WeChat Video Channel. Now, grab your virtual compass and follow us to the heart of the discussion. I'd like to direct my first question to Hong Yu because you are the reporter for CIIE and you have been there for the very first day. Super excited and I'm very jealous. So, how do you feel for the very first day? Well, I have to say that this is a massive trade event. I mean, when you walk into that venue, well, I personally speaking, I was kind of overwhelmed by the size of the venue. It is held in Shanghai、uh, in the National Convention Center. And it is in a grander building in the shape of a clover. There are two、uh, layers, and I think there are over ten venues there. So, no matter which venue you walk into, you will see lights, spotlights, and huge booths,、uh, specially decorated by those companies. And people there are super excited, especially on the first day. I think there are. I think what stood out for you, especially on the first day, is that they are. Debuting their products, and many of those products are put in front of Chinese customers around the world for the very first time. I think this is because, well, this is an important event, so they can use this event to increase the popularity、uh, and the visibility of their new products, so that they can be popular on the Chinese market. And also, you know, it's close to the Double Eleven Festival; it's a Chinese shopping festival. So they want to have a good sale for their debut products. So many of them are showing their products for the very first time, and they the, the exhibitors didn't tell me about this, but I could also smell a sense of competition. <laughs> this is not、for、just for、sure. cooperation, because the, the the exhibitors, the companies that are offering similar services or products, are showing their products at the same space. So if your company Is showing your very creative new products, and and I am not. Then it'll not be good for me. And right next to you, the other booth, the really great booth, is wow. I can totally understand the sense of competition, but for consumers, we like that. Yeah, and in that sense, that's also a good opportunity for learning, not just for cooperation, not just a little bit of competition, but also a learning platform. Yes, yeah. But I also know that you were here the previous year, where it was not exactly or completely offline. So, do you feel the distinguish between the previous one and this one? Any、um, anything stood out from that site? Well, exactly, because last year was under COVID restrictions, and that is the one of the most obvious changes, both for、uh, exhibitors and for media workers, and also for the organizing committee. I think so. 
that I think that a lot of exhibitors this year are trying to dig out their potential from this exhibition. And I can feel that many of the companies are cherishing this year's expo because of the removal of restrictions. Um, last year, when I was trying to reach out to some CEOs of uh, transnational competitions, they told me that while well, our CEOs were back in their country because they couldn't come uh, because of the COVID restrictions, but this year they're not. Not only their their CEOs are coming, but also their partners and other staff members. So we're seeing lots of foreign faces this year. That is great. How about you, Mr. Mahoney or Professor Mahoney? Though you were not there, but you have. As I remember,、um, quite a lot of attention put on CIIE, and what's your overall impression? You know, my my impression, firstly, is that as she was saying, you know, people are excited to be here,、mm. right? They're excited to to introduce their products. They're excited to to take this opportunity to try to、uh, better enter or or better expand their presence in the Chinese market. But not just that, Shanghai is a great city to to visit and. You know, a lot of people stayed away for a few years because of COVID, and they've been slow to come back, or maybe they were waiting to come back with the with the expo.、Um, you know, this is a global city. It's one of the one of the great cities of the world. It's I, I've lived here for 13 years. I love living here. It's 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 my favorite place to be. So I can I can sense that excitement that they would have about about being here. But my impression of the expo this year is that this is really a, a breakthrough year, not just because we've gotten past the the COVID. Uh, 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 restrictions,、um, but because you know there 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 has been I think this latent potential um, uh, to really、um, figure out how to do this、um, to bring、uh, a new、uh, level of professionalism and and、um, uh, support. I mean everything just seems to be not not just because it's offline, but but there's a, a whole new level of sophistication in organization and management that that we're that we're seeing this year. That I think、um, is 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 uh, demonstrating uh, uh, this this higher level potential, but but not only that 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 this meeting now in its sixth year has figured out what it is and it's it's established itself, it's 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 learned how to position itself, promote itself, and 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 around the world and to draw、um, as we've seen so many、uh, new participants who want to come uh, and um, uh, uh, take advantage of it. And I think we've seen this with、uh, the the Prime Minister of Australia coming、uh, to support it, with this、uh, larger than ever contingent of U.S. businesses、uh, who are coming,、um, and 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 certainly、um, uh, a lot of countries that have never been represented,、uh, especially from the global south, who are coming in. So I think this is、um, a breakthrough year for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and it's an exciting time for the participants, but also Sean Conner. Yes, totally. And we know that this year, in terms of only scale, actually, it's thirty percent larger. So it's really,、um, I would like to put it, mind-blowing, earth-shattering, and record-breaking. I love to see such an ex- expo, and I think it's the same thing for a lot of people. They're making friends. They're trying to find out buyers. They're also trying to find out. People from the upper,、uh, let's say, industrial chain, so that they can make business. So, totally a very important expo happening、uh, here in Shanghai. And like you have said, this year we've seen a lot of newcomers, and also some old friends are, let's say, leveling up their game as well. Namely, maybe like you said, the United States as well as Australia, which is why it's been given special attention from the. Shanghai municipal government, as well as other, let's say, higher level of governments. Actually, as a matter of fact, Chinese President Xi Jinping has sent a letter、um, congratulate the event, the opening day, and also Chinese Premier Li has also been here personally and delivered a speech. I'm pretty sure you have all listened to that speech. So, do you have any、uh, important takeaways from the speech this morning? Well, you know, I think the the thing that was most striking about the speech is that he reiterated to,、uh, a lot of talking points that we have heard consistently from China, and this is sort of a, this very consistent message of we're open for business, we support global trade, we want to move forward not only with with, with、um, uh, expanding、uh, international access to Chinese market,、uh, but also uh, promoting uh, trade between、uh, all countries. And you know, I think sometimes we're looking for a new message. But I think that the, the the message that we're getting from Beijing is a message of consistency. This is what we we support. 
you can count on us. And, it, and, and I think that the key point here is that it really runs in contrast to some of the messaging that we're getting uh, from other players in the global market. For example, the message that came out of the G7 earlier this year in Tokyo, where they were talking about de-risking, right? Um, or we, you know, we see uh, other efforts to sort of uh, intervene and slow down trade and, and to restrict uh, cross-border finance. Um, you don't see that coming from the Chinese side. Chinese says, we're open for business, let's do business, it's great, it's good for all of us. So, uh, and, and not only that, you know, that's the purpose of this, of this expo, is to support uh, um, uh, these efforts. So um, the messaging is consistent. I, I think the other thing, though, that, that's really important is that uh, uh, Premier uh, Li uh, came uh, to the meeting uh, to personally address. And, and this is significant for, for two reasons. The first is, you know, when this meeting... Uh, was first started, he was uh, the, the head of Shanghai. And he, uh, you know, Shanghai plays a very instrumental role, not only in hosting, uh, but as I said earlier, as China's global city, where, where so much of the trade and finance flows through. So uh, he has always been part of this meeting. Of course, it was introduced and proposed originally by President Xi, but his local partner was was um, was uh, uh, Li Qiang. Mm-hmm. And now that Li Qiang has risen uh, to the level of premier, He's coming back. He's invested in this uh, at the local level, but also at the national level. So I think it's it's a really good sign uh, of this sort of deep commitment institutionally, politically to this uh, to this meeting uh, that uh, that is good news for everyone who participates. Totally, and like you said, the message is totally consistent. Actually, we've seen the key word of high level openness for at least this is the sixth consecutive year, and that is what we want. And Chinese President Xi Jinping once said that the Chinese economy is a vast ocean, not a small pond. We want the global, let's say, any possible participants to come here to share the benefit and to make their business as well as our business better. And I think that is really a very important message. Yeah. Uh, in the morning, uh, in Premier Li's speech, he mentioned four measures to further improve the high quality opening up of Chinese market. Uh, one of the focuses is on market opportunities, and another one is um, about innovation and also uh, about global market, global cooperation, and also rules and regulations. And from the expo, we can see that uh, this expo is actually part of the implementation of such measures. It opens the door for companies, both from China and from the rest of the world, to know about each other especially for foreign companies to know about the Chinese market. And in his speech, Premier shared some stories uh, in the past CIEs. One of them is about an American company taking part in the CIE for the first time in 2018. Back then, they were not sure, what, what is this expo and how, what can we get? But after the expo, the first edition actually, they got orders of about 300 million RMB, and they were surprised by that. That's the reason why they come back year after year. Actually, that's only one single story, but that happens each year at the CRIE. A lot of companies have experienced that. That's why we can see a lot of old faces, old friends here at the CRIE. And their confidence not just comes from uh, the massive Chinese market, but also from the rules and regulations. We have laws that can protect those companies uh, and those companies can play by the laws. So I think it is this kind of the sense of safety and the lack of uncertainty that, that give the, those companies, foreign companies, um, confidence about Chinese market. Yeah, I think the example you have just mentioned is a really good example. It happens to a lot of different companies and the United States has actually always been an active partner or active participate uh, to the CIIE, regardless of what some individual politicians are saying. Um, it has been very active. And for this year, they're definitely taking it up another level. It's the first time that they have been participating from a federal level. And apparently they've been, you know, coal, let's say building this uh, agricultural pavilion with 17 different participants. And it was well, it is actually really fun, even though I don't have the opportunity to go see it for my very eye. I would love to see what they are bringing, not only agricultural products, but also technologies. And um, I would say a great interest to the Chinese market. But from a, let's say, larger point of view or larger perspective, a bigger picture, Mr. Mahoney, 
Um, do you think it has significance larger than just trade between the two countries? I think the key point is, you know, we've seen senior business leaders coming to, to uh, from the United States coming to visit China uh, this year. We've seen other key figures like uh, California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom. We've seen this tremendous uh, presence uh, of American businesses at the expo this year. I, I think the message that is being sent to Washington by the American commercial sector, business sectors, we want to do business, right? We want to sell our products. We want to we want to be able to buy Chinese products. We want trade. We don't want a trade war. We don't want trade restrictions. We don't want financial restrictions. Um, you know, why is it that Washington is talking about uh, financial investment restrictions? It's because there are American investors who want to invest in China, right? Um, so I think that that what we're seeing is you know this real commercial interest that is trying to send a strong message to China that they want to do business, but also a strong message to Washington that that this is in America's interest as well to to do business with China and not to continue to take uh, relations. Uh, down this uh, uh, dark path. Maybe I am just being too optimistic, but I feel like the signals are relatively consistent. And like you said, not only sending to Beijing but also to Washington. And I think reasonable people would listen to that, would advise in. And I am being optimistic. There's another view, and so it's not just a view that things are going to get better or going to get worse, but that maybe we have uh, already reached a new normal. And so now that we have this new normal, we can begin to improve it in some constructive way. So maybe we're not going to go back in time to something better as before, but maybe we're now at a position where, okay, the U.S. feels like it's got enough strategic uh, assets in place that it doesn't feel threatened by China's rise, whatever that means. But at the same time, now we can uh, be more constructive in, our, in, our, in the positive aspects of our relationship. Maybe maybe that's the third option, and maybe that's the path that will open up. I suspect it is the path that will open up because I think ultimately uh, you have to do business with China. You have to move forward with China. Otherwise, you don't move forward. Mm, and also, apparently, the United States market is important to China because it's the two largest economy in the world, and we want to do business for sure. But China is also focusing on a lot of other countries as well, especially the global south. Uh, this year, Honduras, Kazakhstan, Serbia, South Africa, and Vietnam being the guest countries of honor. And China is also opening up to some less developed countries. Actually, they can come here and attend CIE for free because we want, again, the Chinese economy and Chinese market to be open up to the entire world. We can share the results. We can be benefited together from the development of the Chinese market. And hopefully we can develop together. And um, I think that is quite a positive sign. And what are some countries that you have interviewed perhaps for this year's CIIE? Well, there are 14, over 1,400 uh, companies from Belt and Road partner countries at this year's CIIE, and I've already talked to one of them. It's a Zambian company selling honey and products made of honey. They also have a, a very cute story. At the very beginning, they, they also didn't have any idea about this ex, uh, expo. They were, one day they were collecting honey in the forest when they received a message from the Chinese embassy about this expo, and they were asked would you like to come to this expo in Shanghai? They had no idea what that was and what they would get, but they still brought a few boxes of honey to this expo. But to their surprise, their honey was so popular in the first edition of the expo because Chinese customers are curious. How is the honey from Zambia tastes different from that of other places like New Zealand and also from China? So a lot of people were lining up there at their booth, tasting their honey. And after that exhibition, they, got, they signed deals with two Chinese companies that were willing to help them to sell their honey and honey products. And they also got an invitation to online e-commerce platforms. A few e-commerce agencies came to them and said, would you like to... Uh, let us help you to do business online. And they got to choose one of those agencies. Ooh. So you see, they were a very small company from Zambia. Nobody knew them. 
But after the first edition of CIIE, they, they got to choose which partner they would work with. So now they're selling products online. And also, over the past few years, they, they've been here at CIIE each year, and they are also expanding their businesses, both in China and in Europe. So their products was also known by companies and uh, customers from other countries as well. And they, also, they were also helping other companies from other African countries like Ghana and South Africa to help them to build up their own brands, not just honey products, but also like soda and other products. And this year, they've also brought their new friends here from Ghana and from South Africa. So see, they're also helping other companies from other African countries to pave their own way to the Chinese market. And by the way, uh, the Belt and Road Initiative has also helped them to come to this expo because, you know, Chinese companies have already built ports and airports and railways and also logistics centers in Zambia. So their products this year are also transported through those routes. In the past, if they wanted to transport their products to China, they have to wait for three months, but now only 40 days through the sea route. And the manager told me that that was the maximum capacity of sea transportation. So I think the Belt and Road Initiative has helped them to enter the Chinese market, which is a, a quite lucrative market for any businesses in, uh, in Africa. And also this exhibition is further opening the door of Chinese market and also uh, international markets for those companies of PR partner countries. I think that is a very lovely story and I'd love to buy some of the honey from online. I think I can do that now. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing is, the expo is never only about the big name companies, the Fortune 500 companies. It's also about SMEs. It's also about bringing the name that no one has ever heard of before out to the market for consumers to know about, to fall in love with. And you mentioned uh, BRI. This year marks the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative. And actually, we also have a specific CIIE-steamed wing from Europe to China, full of the goods that will be and is actually exhibiting on CIIE this year. And it has been a great, I would say, celebration in the world of trade. But as for uh, the Global South, I'm pretty sure both Global South and BRI has been amazing and interesting concept for you, especially from the point of view of international relations and international cooperation. You know, I remember um, 10 years ago when BRI was first proposed by President Xi, and uh, there were a lot of people who, you know, thought this was a, a fanciful dream. And even a lot of Chinese people were like, uh, I don't know why we want to help other people develop. Don't we need to just help ourselves? And, um, but I think what it, what it has demonstrated um, is incredible strategic vision. And it's, you know, it's had some challenges, but it's also grown and adapted and already achieved tremendous uh, outcomes and success. Um, and it's still growing uh, to this day. Um, and increasingly, we're seeing uh, more and more breakthroughs uh, in terms of major projects uh, uh, starting to to produce uh, the desired outcomes. Now, I think, you know, if we talk about this, as you were talking about it in terms of uh, connectivity, um, and but also, uh, uh, as you were saying, uh, the global south, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's important for China as a matter of principle, but also as a matter of, of good economic sense, to grow with the global south right and those there are opportunities to grow and develop in these win-win paradigms so we can go in and, and and from the chinese perspective we can go in and we can help uh build your infrastructure uh other firms can come in and help you know firms like huawei or or alibaba or whoever can come in and help build digital infrastructure and then uh, not only do you have the connectivity of the roads the ports the railways but you also have uh, you know, these uh, low-cost, solar-powered uh, digital stations uh, that are allowing uh, these developing and emerging markets uh, to participate in what we call the, the fourth industrial revolution. So now you have this, this Zambian uh, honey company that can get its product to the market, but they can also be doing their online uh, business uh, through these uh, other forms of connectivity that have followed BRI. Now, that sort of value added, right? And it was one of the things that we see with, with, with BRI, but also 
CIIE is that it's not just about uh, resources, it's not just about uh, energy or, or other uh, types of things, but uh, new products, value-added products that are growing the economies of both these uh, uh, countries like Zambia or Honduras or others, um, as well as uh, satisfying, um, as you said, the, the, the Chinese uh, curiosity, uh, the taste of what, what is honey from Zambia taste like, right? Um, and if it's good, they'll keep buying it, of course. So I think all of these things are, are exciting. Stick around, everybody. We'll be back after this short break. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Welcome back to Roundtable. I'm Yeo Honglin, sitting in for He Young. You're now listening to a special program, Global Lens, Insights from the CIIE 2023 Opening Day. With me on the show, Dou Hongyu, CGTN's correspondent in Shanghai for the China International Import Expo, and Professor Joseph Gregory Mahani of Politics and International Relations with East China Normal University. The discussion continues. I'm pretty sure both Global South and BRI has been amazing and interesting concept for you, especially from the point of view of international relations and international cooperation. Uh, but they're particularly exciting because, you know, China... China is part of the Global South, and it's the first major country of the Global South to break through, to break through these old, uh, uh, let's say, post-colonial or neo-colonial or, or hegemonic or neo-hegemonic or neo-inferior, whatever term you want, uh, paradigms mm. that had um, uh, restricted the growth and development of a large part of the world, of the Global South in particular. And China found solutions. They were able to uh, develop and, 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 and find their own path forward. And now they are, they are realizing, well, in order for us to continue to grow, but also because it's the right thing to do, if we can work with these other countries, if we can build, but then also uh, improve their economy, this, this adds value to BRI, right? So all of these things become synergistic and um, leads uh, ideally, increases in growth that we see. And of course, we've already seen tremendous growth uh, in Southeast Asia. This is one of the reasons why I think Vietnam has been featured uh, so significantly. And, and not just in this meeting, in other meetings, um, um, uh, where, where the BRI projects have, have really matured. It's where they went in first, um, but where they've really matured uh, is in Southeast Asia. And um, we, we expect that success now to extend over to the Middle East, to, to Africa, and then onward to uh, Latin America. It's a very exciting uh, uh, development and, and the, the projections for um, improvements to global trade coming out of the UN and other international agencies are, are very, very promising at this point. Yeah, and I think one thing very beautiful about BRI is that it would fit into the situation of that country that we're trying to help or cooperate with. We do not make a plan for every country to just follow. It's like we ask what you want and we try to operate in the way that you want and I also want. That is what we call a win-win cooperation. And when it is an expo or let's say it will have a certain theme and for the import expo, its theme is import and actually it's the biggest and the first expo focusing on import. Yet there are still voice of criticism. Some people would suggest that it's uh, merely an exable for that five days and you come in, you bring your product, you feel like you've been signing deals, but it's just not enough. Even someone would suggest it's not more than a political gesture. And how do you feel about that? Well, you know, we heard this kind of criticism, I think, from the European Chamber of Commerce yes. in, in China. I found the, the criticism uh, a little amusing um, because uh, they said, uh, for example, that uh, half the deals that they had signed in the past had not been executed. And I tried to find uh, some independent sourcing on that data and I couldn't find it. Um, but then I also wondered, well, well, what's a good standard? You know, because sometimes people are, are, are experiencing a euphoria at an expo. I tried to see if there, were any, if there was any data related to the World Expo, the next one, which will take place in, in Osaka. You know, is there any data uh, that this is what's a good standard? But I couldn't find anything, so I don't know. But what I can say is, is a couple of points on this. First, um, I was looking at social media this morning. I'm, my, my, my mother is Danish, and so I'm, I, I follow the, the Danish embassy uh, in, in China. 
and they were really excited about coming uh, to CIIE. Uh, they were really uh, talking up. Uh, they were excited to come to Shanghai, get out of Beijing, but also um, they they were excited to introduce their products to the expo. At the same time, you know, I talked to because this is a global city. There are so many businesses here, and I know that we've had、uh, some difficult times because of COVID. But even before COVID, I was hearing from some sources that that some European companies were struggling to compete, and it, it, they were struggling to compete for a couple of reasons. One was maybe their product lines were were starting to lag a little bit.、Uh, you know, for example, in in Chinese automobile manufacturing, they really surged ahead. China's a leader now in EVs, and、um, you know, if you're in the in the EV business and you're coming out of Europe. And there are European firms that are players here. They're finding it hard to compete with Chinese firms. But there's another side of it, which is、uh, one of the things that I hear is that、uh, a lot of European firms, European firms in particular, are struggling to market their products. That the marketing, the sophistication of marketing in, in China now has become so developed. So to、uh, cross-platform marketing, bringing in suppliers,、uh, how do you market、uh, to all these different players, and then link this to your e-commerce model? That the Europeans are really behind the curve on this, right? So this this is、uh, you know we go back to sort of the old Ricardo law of comparative advantages. You know you need you need to bring good products, right? So Nepal,、uh, someone says, okay, we've got this great honey from Nepal. Bring it, right? I mean, if it's a good honey and it's better than the Zambian honey, <laughs> I mean the Chinese will try both because, as you said, they want they want to try. They're curious. But whichever one is the best, or whichever one suits this person, that's the honey they're going to buy. And it's the same thing with whatever products coming out of out of Europe. You got to get that product here, but you also have to really up your game in terms of getting your product out to the,、uh, Chinese consumers, promoting it, and and、uh, bringing your business model together in in a, in a very sophisticated digital way. And until that really happens, I think、uh, European firms are going to be frustrated. Uh, so I hear this criticism, but I, I don't really know how to value the criticism given this broader context. Well, actually, I, I agree with this professor, and I think we can see a lot of signs of developments from the CIIE. Especially as a reporter, I was particularly、uh, interested or focusing on the developments of products because from the evolution of products each year at the CIIE, we can. See the changes or the upgrade of、uh, the Chinese customers' habits and the upgrade of Chinese market. For example, there was a beauty company that was displayed their、uh, facial treatment mask printed by a machine. In the very first year, people were very curious because we haven't seen any facial mask that could be printed by machines, and and they were helpful. They were good for your skin. So there were a lot of people surrounding that robotic arm, seeing how exactly that was printed, and it was tailored for one single visitor. And at that time, the beauty company found out that Chinese customers are really into this, and there's a huge potential here. So the following year, they brought an improved version of that machine. That machine can print a facial mask that can help to improve. A specific area on on your face, for example, if the skin around your eyes are drier, then maybe the treatment mask will help you to to add more water into that area. So that is an example. And also, sometimes it is not just about the evolution of products, but there are also concepts or ideas being displayed at the expo. Once I interviewed a medical company a few years ago, they displayed. A concept or a model of a kind of pill, and then during that expo, they, a few other companies got interested in in their idea and their concept. So they got connection with each other, and during the following year, they built up cooperation and they worked together to do research and to develop such kind of pill. So just one year later, that concept was turned into a real bottle of pills. So when the worker at the booth handed me the bottle of pills, when I was holding it, I felt like I was holding a baby that was born at the CIIE. Actually, this expo is has been witnessing such similar stories, such birth of new baby products each year.
I think from this evolution of products or the evolution from, a, from an idea to a real product or an even a popular product on the Chinese market, we can see the changes of Chinese customers and also the power of this expo. I'd like to add something to that. China has uh, more than 400 million middle-income earners at this point. Um, that's, you know, the, the U.S. population, total population is somewhere around 300 million. So more than the U.S. population, right? A third more uh, is a middle-income earner. And I think the thing that people around the world don't yet really comprehend, I mean, they understand numbers. They understand, okay, that's a big number. But they don't understand is how sophisticated that market has become, right? And sophisticated in a variety of ways. So, for example, they're, they're very much interested in, in beauty products that are cutting edge, right? And they spend some money on these things. I know my daughter uh, <laughs> spends lots of my money on these things. But um, very much interested in, in these types of products, um, personal care products, well-being products, right? They're up on what's happening in the world, the latest style, the latest fashion, the latest trend. Um, very, very conscientious about uh, health, food, green food, organic food, right? Um, the latest in technology, right? So these are the things that, um, uh, you know, you really have to bring your A game because Chinese consumers, yes, they might be interested in honey and that honey might be great, but they want to be at the cutting edge. They demand be at the cutting edge. It's, it's part of their, their, their sense of, uh, of being uh, one of the more advanced uh, economies, their sense of dignity is uh, we can afford uh, the very best. We want the very best products. And um, I think the other thing is, you know, certainly Beijing has promoted this expo for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons that they have supported it and promoted it is because they know that Chinese consumers want access to these products and these commodities, right? It's not just, okay, that's, we're going to play this development game. It's people. People want, right? They want access to the very best things in the world. And this is an opportunity uh, for them to get it. It's just those best things need to come and present themselves. Totally. And actually, we talk about beauty product. I read news about this uh, new, let's say, special machine that can help you put on makeup automatically. You don't have to do it by yourself. A machine hand will help you do that. And also there is another machine designed the shape of your eyebrows based on your facial, uh, let's say, features. And I was superficial. I thought, wow, that's convenient. I would get one of those. And until I realized it's for people with disabilities. It's very considerate and it's how sophisticated the consumers are right now here in China. I think that is a very lovely idea. And same high technology are going to the sector of elder care, of people with special needs in medical care uh, areas. So yes, like both of you have mentioned, this is a grand expo, not only for businesses that are coming to China, seeking opportunities in the Chinese market, but also for Chinese consumers. We want a higher level of quality in life. And we are getting that through different one after another events like this. You know, you kind of worried me there for a moment. What? I thought, okay. oh, there's this new machine and this is what my daughter's going to want for Christmas. And then you said it's for disabled people. So if, and that's very wonderful. Lazy people like her. Very lazy people. Well, she... <laughs> I'm not going to say she's very lazy. Yeah, that's the thing. And she does like makeup. Yeah. I Well, it's not a matter of like or dislike. Sometimes we just need it. They love yes, it. Yes, and you will understand later. I will never understand it. It's too late for me already. Oh, <laughs> And the thing is, when it comes to uh, the kind of statement saying that, well, what can you do for just five days? I have to tell you. The Import Expo is not just a five-day event. It's more like a five-day plus 365-day thing because a lot of deals are signed. And after the signing of the deal, you have to deliver the results. And we do have different platforms and different uh, organizations helping the to achieve what the deals are signing at. And for example, we have the Hongqiao Import Commodity Exhibition and Trading Center, also some people call it Hongqiao Pinghui. It is committed to becoming a centralized showcase for CII achievements, a hub for imported goods, and a gathering place for international trade enterprises. And actually, um, for the past five editions of CIIE, the transaction volume exceeding 350 billion, which is not a small number. That is 
a very impressive number. And as for examples, you have already、uh, both mentioned about a business making its name and letting people know. Yes, that's the beautiful, lovely story I love about SMEs. But I have to say, actually, big name companies are benefiting from the expo as well. I know a fast fashion brand, Uniqlo. They have been、uh, participating in CIIE for the fourth consecutive year, and they even have special debut just for CIIE. And their special debut for CIIE, actually, the sales of that of several of the products doubled just after CIIE. So. Actual results are happening, and as a business, if you really use CIE as a, let's say, place for advertisement, it actually happens. Well, good results actually come out of it, and that made me wonder. Well, I guess technically speaking, you've already given so many examples of small and medium-sized enterprises coming to China and having a successful story. But do you have some other fun stories to share with us? Well, actually. Last year I was paying too much attention on those big companies, so this year I was kind of shifting my focus、mm. to those smaller names and even those still not quite known by people. I talked to an exhibitor from Bangladesh. Actually, that was the only company from the only Bangladeshi company coming to the CIIE, but they have been here for at least、um, four years. Maybe this is the fifth year or the sixth year. The founder was just a student. Uh, in Shanghai, a college student, he was doing his PhD, and he decided to let Chinese people know more about the cultures and products from his hometown. So he started his own business, selling Bangladeshi jute products. Jute is a kind of fiber made from a kind of tropical plant. We are not that familiar with tropical <laughs> plants here, or what kind of products it can make, and. Is it eco-friendly, and、uh, what can we do with them? And are they beautiful? After they they came to this first CIIE, they found that Chinese customers were so into their those kind of naturally made handicrafts like baskets or bags or carpets. So they kept coming year after year. Now. He's still a student, but he's already built his own family here and had his very cute、uh, daughter. And also, what's the most important is that their business in China is now feeding over two thousand women back in his hometown in Bangladesh, in a remote rural area there. And they told me that before they got this job, they were just housewomen, and many of them, many of their children, couldn't get education because they didn't have money. But after that, they got a lot of money, and their children can go to school. And those women in those rural areas can be more independent. So we can see that this exhibition has helped this company to reach back into their into his own home. And I think another important point is that this exhibition is lowering the threshold for such small businesses from.、Uh, The least developed areas in the world to get into the Chinese market. You know, the exhibition is not for free. If you want to come and attend, you need to pay a, a certain amount of money for a larger booth or a small booth. But for countries from the least developed areas in the world, they can get a free booth. So the Bangladeshi、uh, company got a free booth, which makes it so easy for them to show their products to the Chinese customers. So I think it is quite important. For for us to give them an opportunity to lower the threshold for them to enter the Chinese market, we know that those big names have their own pieces of cake from the Chinese market, but I think those small companies from less developed areas also deserve a bite. That's totally very well said, and not only that, actually, the expo provide SME with these kind of matchmaking conferences, and one of my friends working in the Bank of China actually. Is a worker in this regard. She is actually an interpreter, and she trained, I think, more than hundreds of interpreters to help these SMEs to talk to each other to see whether or not their、uh, business match with each other, so that they can make connections and can learn from each other. And they help them sign deals. And if you have problem with cash flow, you can also have a loan specially designed for SMEs from the Bank of China and some other. Banks、um, around China, and that 
would make real changes, like Hongyu has mentioned. That is not only from the financial side, but also it changes people's lives and sometimes changes even their future. And that is very beautiful. And when it comes to、um, SMEs, Hongyu has also mentioned that. Culture is a very interesting part of the game because、uh, we've seen some people bringing not only their product but also their culture or their ritual to the expo for the world to see. Actually, I think Honduras, being one of the guest of honor countries for this year's CIIE, they wanted more tourists in their country, so they have been coming here and talking about their tourist attractions and destinations. And I believe for the coming four days, it will be a great hit. And that is not the only form of cultural exchange on CIIE. Of course, we see beautiful exhibitions, we see auctions, we also see a lot of different interactive kind of activities you can attend. Hongyu, you are going to, you know, have、uh, it for a treat. There are dancings, dancings, yes, and also I think there are concerts. I know there is a. Uh, something called a high tea concert, featuring not only traditional Chinese music but also music, different types of music from all around the world. There is even a electronic type of music that is supposed to be healing and giving you therapeutic effect. You can try it. Go definitely try it and let me know how it feels. Yeah, well, yeah, and that is very interesting. So, how do you think?、Um, or what do you take on the? Importance of cultural exchange, not only in CIE but also in a larger, let's say, level. Because we always say China would love for the world, for different civilizations, to talk to each other, to learn from each other, and to appreciate each other. Well, this is also a, a very big topic. <laughs>、um, I'd like to just add one point to the earlier question, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get into、sure. the culture question. You mentioned、uh, Uniqlo. And、um, Uniqlo is a, is a really good、uh, case study of a of an international firm that has come into、uh, China、um, and been very successful. And what is unique about Uniqlo among the fast fashion competitors is that they are known to produce higher quality products, right? So if you, I don't want to name other companies in a negative sense. But some of them have closed their operations in China in, in the last couple of years, and, and even globally. But you know, you, you, if you go to like online sources, GQ, whatever,、um, which which are the、uh, what are the best producers of T-shirts, right? Like the Uniqlo T-shirt for men always shows up as like one of the like standbys. Like if you get up like because if, if you're a guy, you don't really know anything. Where do you buy a good shirt, right? So、uh, I, I got two kids. I, I buy a lot of clothes from Uniqlo. Why? Well, because they make good quality clothes, and they've got they've got an outlet 400 meters from me, and then、uh, another one 600 meters from me. So coming and going, whichever way we're getting home, we know we we, we go past a, a Uniqlo.、Uh, but when I was in Europe this summer,、um, there was only one in that that I, that I recall. I, like I did a search, and it was in Milan. And near the Duomo, near the near the the the, the, the high fashion、uh, part of the city. But what was also interesting is that when I went walking around the Duomo in Milan, I also saw a lot of Chinese brands that were then competing.、Um, but、uh, I, I, you know, it, it raises the question:、um, Why isn't、uh, Uniqlo, which which makes a good product, why aren't they、uh, have deeper penetration of the American market? Why don't they have deeper penetration of、uh, the European market? And I don't know the answer to that question, but、um, I do know that they're doing very well here because they provide a product that people like and want,、um, and maybe it's also because they're being supported by uh, continuing uh, or developing their relationships through、um, uh, initiatives like the expo. Now, to talk about uh, uh, culture, what we've heard from President Xi and other senior leaders is the the importance of people-to-people -people,、uh, exchanges, right? And people-to-people -people exchanges can take place in in a myriad of forms. It can be okay tourism. It can be scholars or or people. Can be officials visiting, or it can be all of these pavilions coming、um, uh, in order to demonstrate their products. But these products are are oftentimes, if you talk about the jute product or the honey product or、uh, the organic food、uh, coming out of uh, Denmark, um, Denmark and in, in China. Uh, actually, they have a lot in common now. 
I mean, you know, Denmark, which has this this population, the whole population, which is just a fragment of Shanghai's population, <laughs> but but the Danish are very green oriented mm-hmm. now, and Chinese people have become incredibly green oriented in the last ten to fifteen years, right? Uh, food security, clean air, clean water, all of these things. These are core values of uh, middle income earners in, in, in China. And these are core values in Denmark, and so they can produce art. Marvelous. But that's a cultural connection. There are profound cultural differences, but there are also cultural uh, connections. And the extent to which people can become more aware of what they have in common, right, and how these aspects, um, we, we don't have to obliterate differences. We don't have to talk about some false notion of universalism, but we, we all human and we all have things in common and we can emphasize those things um, and uh, use those things in common. I think there's a specific phrase in Beijing, I can't remember, but focus on what we have in common. Yeah, and we will resolve our differences yes. as we move forward in a, in a positive way. So um, this is, uh, I think, the, some of the, the sort of the, I'm going to be academic now, the dialectical <laughs> logic, yeah. you know, at work. Um, Focus on the good, and by doing that, we'll be able to to resolve the the challenges between us, but also the challenges that we share, like climate change or uh, other issues that that face all of us. Um, so yeah, I think that this is this is interesting. But the other side of this is that yesterday, by the way, um, my university, uh, East China Normal University, had its um, global fair. And uh, all the countries of, uh, and, and, and by the way, just a, a little promo for my university. Uh, <laughs> my university is number four in China for international programs, but number one in Shanghai. Impressive. And so we have a tremendous number of international students. And so they had this massive fair yesterday. All these uh, um, different students manning their, their country's booths. Um, my daughter, although she grew up in China, she's half Chinese. Uh, she was in charge of the American booth, right? And so t- uh, another student who's from Hungary was promoting uh, Hungarian food and culture. And, you know, there were guys from Pakistan who were, who were demonstrating dances. Um, but I, what I, one of the things that I saw was that some of my friends who were in uh, uh, China's business, Shanghai's business community, they came to the expo, right? I mean, they were interested in that connection. They were looking to make connections. They were looking possibly for people that they might want to hire, people from different countries they have, because they have different commercial interests in different countries. So all of these things are, are you know, part of the same spirit that we see that's being promoted through the people, be, people-to-people exchanges that are taking place through the expo itself. Very well said. This is Neil Holin, and today I am with Professor Joseph Mahoney from the East China, East China Normal University, and also we have Do Hongyu, our very own reporter, covering CIIE. Thank you guys so much. It's great to have you on the table. Thank you. That brings us to the end of today's roundtable special program. Until next time, keep the conversations going and the ideas flowing. Bye for now.